Hello and welcome to Oklahoma Ghost Stories and Other Phenomenon. I'm your host, Brad Heath. Tonight, our guest is David McKenna of Oklahoma City. David was at work in the operating room when the Moore tornado of 2013 ripped through the town, leaving a path of death and destruction in its wake. Before the tornado hit, David was witness to countless paranormal encounters in his home in Moore, which was destroyed by the tornado. And what he caught on film while taking photos of his destroyed home may or may not surprise you. But first, let's thank tonight's sponsor, the Military History Center and Museum in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. The museum features artifacts from as early as the American Revolutionary War to modern day wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. You will find displays on the Civil War, World War I, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and Desert Storm. The new Native Americans in the military display does not disappoint, and they are currently expanding an exhibit on the Holocaust. Find them on Facebook or give them a call, 918-794-2712. They are located in the Rose District in downtown Broken Arrow. It's a great day trip if you're looking for something to do this holiday season. Take a walk through history at the Military History Center and Museum in Broken Arrow. And if you or your business would like to sponsor an episode on Oklahoma Ghost Stories for as low as $20 an episode, message us on Facebook and we can certainly help you promote your business to thousands of listeners and fans of the show. And be sure to like our podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Breaker. And if you are so inclined... You can become a Patreon member by going to patreon.com forward slash OGS underscore OK. As a monthly contributor, you'll be eligible to receive our monthly newsletter with special content not heard on the podcast. So, ladies and gentlemen, before we welcome in David McKenna to hear his story, I want to extend our deepest thoughts and condolences to those who lost loved ones in that tornado in 2013. Certainly a tragic moment in our shared history as Oklahomans. Now let's officially welcome in David McKenna. David, thank you for joining us here on Oklahoma Ghost Stories. When we first spoke online, you told me you had lived in this house where the paranormal activities were taking place for 16 years. And at some point you sought the help of some ghost investigators you found online. And when, they told, when, when you told them your story, they simply replied, move. <laughs> yes, sir. That is correct. And when, I had a. I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, when you get a response like that, that's got to uh, that's got to shake you a little bit. <laughs> it scared my wife at the time. It scared her pretty bad, but it just kind of made me laugh. And just I was just like, well, you know, okay, <laughs> that's that. But it was I had found them online on some message board or something. It was the OH or. OGHS or whatever, Oklahoma Ghost Hunter Society. And I sent them just this real long email. If you printed it out, it probably would have been three pages long, just detailing all this stuff. And weeks went by and I never heard from them. And finally, I get an email and it just said, move. And I'm like, well, all right. <laughs> Thanks for your so, help. <laughs> so before we dive into the, the house that you lived in there in Moore, uh, tell us a little bit about your background. Where did you grow up and what do you do? I am a registered nurse. I work in surgery. I've been at the same hospital here in Oklahoma City for 21 years now. Um, I grew up in Oklahoma City, went to more schools my whole life. Uh, I, I 
grew up, you know, in the community where the I lit where this house was. So they're not far from it, but yeah, that's I'm just a. So so you're a lion through and through. That's huh? about it. not much of a background to tell about. What's that? You're a lion through and through, then, huh? Yes, sir. Very good. So so what what's your I, what? I, I've lived here more. What, what year did you move into the house? Was it late nineties? Let's see. I will be moved into that house in 98, 98, 99, somewhere okay, in there. And, and, and when did you first start noticing there was maybe a little something different about the house? The night that we closed the day, the day we closed on the house, I went over there that evening after work and started painting so that we could start moving some stuff in that weekend. And I was there, you know, pretty late that night. And I'd say easily nine, 10 times through the night, I'd have to turn my music off and go searching through the house because I'd hear a door close or I'd hear what sounded like somebody, you know, shouting something downstairs while I was upstairs or, you know, there were several times that I got kind of spooked that night that was the very first night before we'd even moved anything in so but uh and it just and just as a little background on that when we bought the house it was kind of strange circumstances it went up for sale the day that we found it and then i went and looked at it and it was about i'd say 15 to twenty thousand below market value and the guy would seem like he was in a hurry to sell it and he told my realtor who was my father he told him one story on his background with the house that it was a, that it belonged to his brother and his brother passed away and he inherited it and had been renting it out and he wanted to sell it well at the closing he told me that that was the house that he had lived in for years and raised his family in and they were moving to Ufala and that's why they had rented it out decided to sell it so it was just kind of weird circumstances on when we bought it anyway but then that night, I remember I was thinking, that's why they wanted out of this house so bad. <laughs> but so, but yeah, just, but yeah, just, and it just never stopped after that night. Well, you know, a lot of people for 16 years, a lot of people think that when you first move into a, a home, when you start to do any type of a remodel or you start to uh, fix the place up, it, it, it stirs things up a little bit. I have I have heard that before, and that could definitely be the case because if whatever it was was very active that night, and I will tell you also as if it's it's kind of bizarre. I lived in what people would call, I guess, a haunted house for 16 years, but I'm not necessarily a 100 percent believer in ghosts. So <laughs> there's that. I don't know. I and I just I don't. There was definitely something there, but I don't know what it and was. So so before but, so before you moved into that particular house, as a uh, as a young man or as a kid, you never had any type of experience whatsoever, right? Nothing really that stands out in my mind. I was always extremely interested in you know uh, TV shows and stuff about ghosts or. Uh, paranormal stuff that's always been a big interest of mine uh, but I can't really think of anything that stands out in my head that, of anything that I had experienced before that in my yeah. life so 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 as it, like I say it's always been an interest so so you get moved in and 
you know, you go about your, your daily life, you know, you go to work, you, you, you come home, the, the kids are going to school and, and all that's going on. When did it feel like things kind of started to ramp up a little bit? Oh, it never really let up. It never, I mean, it was, there was just, it was just constantly. Now when my kids, well, I had joint custody with my previous wife on my children. So they were at her house a week and they'd be at my house a week. It, it would, there was much more activity, I guess you would call it on the weeks that they were gone. And on when the weeks that they were there, there was still stuff would happen, but it was, you know, much just more subtle things. Right. And my ex-wife and I even talked about and joked about that whatever it was just didn't want to scare the kids or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But you know, at night we would. And speaking of the kids, the my son, my youngest son's bedroom was right above the living room, and we would hear what's at night. We'd hear him get up, and we'd hear the floorboard squeaking like he's up walking around in his room, like all the time. And we'd holler up at him, "You need to get bed." Well, on nights that he wasn't there, when he was at his mom's, we wouldn't hear the footsteps. So we just, you know, every night we would assume that he was up walking around. Well, after about a couple of years, it started doing it even on nights that he wasn't there. So we realized that all those times that we were hollering up there for him to get in bed, that wasn't him that was walking around above us. But whatever it was, was walking around his bed. We never told him that until later in life <laughs> did did the kids ever come to you and say you know hey i i heard something or saw something did they ever experience anything at all they did occasionally and like i say i i, I can't say it was a great parenting call i'm not sure but we just tried to you know we would play stuff down to them and since it wasn't really going on a lot when they were there we would just try to minimize you know things but yeah one uh that same son, my youngest son, uh, when he was in his early teens, he had stayed one night by himself while my wife and I went out. And when we came home that night, literally every light in the house was on. And I went up and looked in his bedroom and he was asleep in his bed with a great big Bowie knife <laughs> laying next to him. And I woke him up. Yeah, I woke him up and I was like, what's going on? And he said that during the evening he heard a noise. And he looked down the hallway, his brother, and he had uh, doors that faced each other at opposite ends of the hallway. And he said he looked down the door, down the hallway, and his brother's door was open. And he just kind of stared for a second and then leaned back. And he said a couple minutes later, he heard a real loud noise. He looked down the hallway again, and his brother's mm. door was closed. And he was the only one that was home. So, <laughs> yeah, he said that yeah, scared that's, him pretty that's bad. Probably- that's probably enough so, to, uh, to rattle anybody, you know, seeing, a, seeing something like that happen. Did, yeah. did did anybody ever see anything or was it just noises? Uh, there was. Uh, well, that's is a lot of noises. Occasionally, I would see. And my ex-wife said that she had seen it a couple of times, but you would see like a, I guess you could almost call it like a white shadow, like, like a mist go by and just kind of fade away. You know, you'd see it. Sometimes I would see it go by a doorway. 
my above the garage there was a big attic that had been converted into an a-framed room a spare room and i had that turned into an elvis room i had a lot of memorabilia in my computer room where i would sit up there and, you know just play on the computer so i spent a lot of time in that that was kind of like my little man cave or whatever and a lot of the stuff that happened seemed to center around that room which was you know just kind of discomforting since i was in there a lot that night late at night but uh you know like i told you the other day on the phone we would hear we'd be downstairs and you would it would there would be a sound like someone had held a bowling ball out at arm's length and just dropped it you know on the upstairs and it would just rattle the pictures on the walls and you know just this huge boom but and it was always when there was nobody up there and it came from just from the sound of it it came from the elvis room uh and there was a lot of voices I, i told you you could hear conversations going on in different rooms almost like if you when you're in a motel room and you can hear a conversation going on in the next room and you know you just hear the mumblings but I would a lot of times when I was sitting in the Elvis room, I would hear conversations going on like inside that room. And it always sounded like it was three people. But it was just kind of faint and faint and mumbled where you couldn't really make out what was being said. But it was it seemed very distinct to me that it was three people having a conversation and it would just drive me crazy. I'd get up and I'd walk around, you know, go look out, look downstairs, look out the window and. But, you know, there was definitely some kind of conversation, and I hear, I yeah. would hear that a lot. But, yeah. Well, yeah, so. and you touched on something that I, I'm i going to have to bring up. Uh, you, you said Elvis yes, Room. Sir. So tell me about the Elvis Room. You're, are you a big Elvis fan, obviously? <laughs> yeah, my mom has always been a big Elvis fan, and we got to go see him as a family on his last trip through Oklahoma City and I believe it was 1976, and – you know, some of my earliest memories are my mom dancing around cleaning house with Elvis records playing. You know, so yeah, I've always been a big Elvis fan, and I just started collecting memorabilia over the years, and it turned into well, an Elvis room. You know, David, <laughs> there's a big group of people that believe that he's still alive. Where do you fall on that? Oh, mercy me! I, I, at this point, I think he would be so old that he probably would be gone, but. I, I never really believed that he was still alive, but I thought I was, I've always been open to the possibility. I mean, if anybody needed to disappear, I think right. it would probably be him. You know, you know, if you ever wanted to have peace in your life again, but, but yeah, I, I, in, as far as I know, he passed away well, maybe, in 77. Maybe those voices you were hearing <laughs> from the Elvis room, maybe they were Elvis fans too. You never know. That those those theories have been brought up to me many yeah. many times over the years. I had many friends who would always tell people that I had a house haunted haunted by the ghost of Elvis, and so, <laughs> that was kind of a so running joke for a while. What what you believe uh, to sound like three three people basically having a a conversation through the walls? Were there ever times when, other than doors, uh, things in the house would move? Uh, my, <clears throat> pardon me, my ex-wife and I were in the kitchen one time. We were making dinner and I was, she was over by the stove 
and I was standing at the back door. I'd let the dog out to go to the restroom. And so obviously you don't know the kitchen, but we were both probably minimum four feet away from the sink and both faucets turned on full blast. And I I looked over at her and she looked at me and I walked over there and I had to turn all both knobs all the way to get the water to turn off. And, uh, there was another night that I was sitting in my, on my couch in the living room. And from there I had a clear view of the back door in the kitchen where the water had turned on. And, uh, I hear a kind of a rattling noise and I look over and right as I look over, I saw the mini blind go up on the back door and the, the, you know, the pull string was kind of just dangling and swinging. And my ex-wife was in the bathroom right behind where I was at. And I said, did you hear that noise? And she said, yeah. I said, that was the mini blind and I'm sitting on the couch and she came running out of the bathroom all wide faced. And she's like, what? And I said, yeah. And the, the, the string was still dangling, swinging, and you know, but yeah, I said I watched it go up. Was was <laughs> that, that, was was that probably one of the more active moments that you remember? <clears throat> that was definitely the most the the one of the things I always tried to rationalize everything, you know, with okay, what you know, what could that sound have been? It could have been the house settling, it could have been this or that. That was the one thing that I was like, I have absolutely no explanation in physics for what just happened there. That was the one thing where I could say that and I told you about that big scream noise, which I'll tell you about since I brought it up. But uh but yeah, that was the point where I was like, Okay, there was absolutely nothing to explain that away. That just right. went up by itself. Tell us so, about this. But yeah, that and the other people. Yeah, I, I was in my home. This was after my divorce and my kids were grown and gone. And I lived there by myself. And I I just thought of another one too. And I was walking from my, I was in my boxers, walking from the kitchen into the living room. And you stepped down. It was a sunken living room in uh, 1970s. And uh, when I was walking into there, right as I stepped down, I heard this just ear-piercing shriek like a almost like an eagle shrieking that was just loud and ear piercing and it came from right there in the center of the living room and i just immediately turned around grabbed my keys and walked out the door this is about 11 o'clock at night and i went for a drive around oklahoma city till about three in the morning when i finally got the courage (laughs) to go back home but that was that was the only time it ever scared me out of the house but uh that and then one other time that i i remembered about after I spoke to you the other night, um, the o- the only time that I could say it acted extremely aggressive, <clears throat> um, my ex fiance after my divorce, I was engaged for a little while at the time of the tornado. Um, she was spent. She, my ex fiance, had spent the night with me one night, and I she had gone to bed a little bit early, and I stayed up watching TV, and kind of late at night, I hear her screaming and I started to, you know, I kind of jumped up thinking, did I just hear a scream? And about that time I hear the door just frantically, just shaking like somebody's, you know, just shaking the door and crying like crazy. And she started screaming again. So I ran over there and I easily just opened the door and she came running out, grabbed me and just started dragging me into the living room in which she couldn't speak. 
she was crying so hard and screaming. And I finally get her calmed down. And she said that she was sound asleep. And she said she felt something grab her ankles. And she said she sat up. And as she sat up, she said something yanked her down to the foot of the bed to where she, her, you know, her legs are hanging off the edge of the bed. And so that's when she screamed and she jumped up and she went to open the door. She said the doorknob was frozen. She couldn't turn the doorknob. And that's why she was trying to pull the door open like that. And like I say, when I went over, I just very easily turned the doorknob. But uh, she didn't come back to my house for about six months. And that was not uncommon. By this time in my life, most of my friends would not come to my house because of something that would happen when they were there. So, and as an introvert, that worked out very well. Well, for me, I can but... imagine being, being grabbed <laughs> and and in bed and then getting to the door and it won't open. I can imagine that would shake just about anybody. So that that's probably where, in your opinion, it was we felt like uh, the most sinister or, or you know the most um, where it was it was actively trying to harm someone. Uh, was there ever a time when you felt like it was? Right. It was playful, like it was just messing with you to mess with you. It's uh, yeah, um, I I can't say that it ever responded to me because like I would never, <laughs> I would never really try to interact with it because I was too afraid that it would interact back. <laughs> but uh, in that way, I could still keep a hold of a little bit of doubt in my mind. But, uh, but yeah, there would be a lot of times that, you know, you'd hear a noise and it was, and you'd go check and, you know, then you'd hear that same kind of noise from another part of the house. And, but yeah, it was almost like it was just messing with you at times because I'd always get up and check whenever I would hear a noise. I don't, you know, because I would think, you know, the one time I don't check, there's really going to be somebody in my house and I, you know, (laughs) I wasn't prepared but yeah, I I would go searching through the house with a gun at night all the time. It was a regular occurrence because of a noise I'd hear and or you know I'd hear, you know I'd be watching TV and I'd swear that upstairs I'd hear David, you know and I'm like well crap I gotta go check that one out now. right, you know but so but yeah it was just a constant thing and it was it was almost to the point to where you I ignored a lot of it. And, you know, it's just because it was just so commonplace that something was happening. You know, books would fall out of the bookshelf, you know, while we were sitting in the living room watching TV. Uh, you'd hear someone, the stairs, there was a stairwell that went up to the second floor right behind the, or right next to the living room. So you could hear someone walk up the stairs easily. And you'd be watch TV and you'd hear somebody run up the stairs, you know, <laughs> you're like, what the hell? You know, but it was just, it was just common. Something would happen, you know, lights right. would turn on occasionally. TV would come on all the night. Well, you mentioned the, uh, the white kind of mist yeah. that you had uh, seen a couple of times. How many times do you think you saw that? Was it, was it just a right. two, three, or was it like a dozen? Like, I know it's hard to kind of think back and remember, but. Oh, I'd say, right. I'd say over the years, easily. 10, 12 times. Oh, and uh, the uh, photograph that you talked about also, uh, speaking of the mist, my ex or my ex-wife was in the shower one night and I was like, and I was walking by the door and I looked down and I was was like, you got to come look at this. And she's like, what? I was like, come right now. 
So she jumps out of the shower and there was an actually, it was a perfect footprint of a baby footprint wow. in the carpet. And I was like, that looks like a baby's footprint, doesn't it? She goes, that is a baby. So, I mean, you had, they had the five toes and everything. And she's like, you need to take a picture of that. I was like, okay. So this is in the early ages of digital cameras. So it wasn't a great picture, but I took a picture of it with the flash on. And in the picture, there's steam almost like a mist coming out of the carpet in the footprint only. The parts where the, of the carpet, the other parts of the carpet were clear, but in the footprint, it looked like there was like a little smoke, yeah. smoky mist coming up out of it. And that picture, unfortunately, was on my computer that well, got lost in the tornado. Since you brought it up, let's let's go ahead so, and go there. So we'll get to what happened after the fact, after the tornado. But uh, in Oklahoma at that time, something that I think everybody remembers, you were actually at work and you were getting updates and you that more than likely your your house, the house with all the activity in it, was in the path of the tornado. <clears throat> yes, sir. We were, uh, I was in actually in surgery when we had the radio on listening to it. And, you know, I was listening to Gary England on, I think it was KTOK or whatever station. But, uh, and I'm listening to, you know, giving pinpoint locations, talking to the guy in the helicopter. And I'm like, that's heading right towards my house. And they're like, oh, you know, it'll miss your house. And I'm like, that's heading right towards my house. And then they said something about it went right behind the Walmart neighborhood market at Fourth and Eastern, and I was like, "It's heading right towards my house." And then they said it hit Highland East Junior High, and my house backed up Highland East Junior High. So I knew that. I mean, I, I knew yeah. just from listening that it was gone. And, but, yeah, and once it, you got it, off it work that me. day, obviously, you know there was so much going on because of all the destruction, and you know. There so many people who were who were looking for loved ones that day. You actually are able to get to your house. Well, what was a house? And you know what's what's going through your mind when you see basically everything that you have is now just in a just in a big pile. Just numbness. Yeah. It. it I, you know, like I say, I'd lived there for sixteen years, and it took me. Because of all the, you know, the street closed everywhere and, you know, police everywhere and power lines everywhere. It took me a good two hours. To, I, it's usually a 10 minute drive from work. It took me about two hours to get there. And, uh, I, it took me even, it took me quite a while to figure out where my house was because there just was literally nothing. The trees were all gone. The house, it was just lumber everywhere. So I didn't even recognize my house when I saw it. I, I walked past it a couple of times and then finally I saw my American flag laying in the driveway that I had just replaced that morning with a brand new flag and that's when I realized, okay, this is my house. But yeah, it was just, it was flat. And you, at some point, decide, I need to record some of this, I need to take some photos. Um, were you using that... You, were you using that same right. digital camera at that point, or were you using your phone? Uh, if I remember correctly, I was—I had my—I did have my camera with me. I, I'm a hobby photographer, so I've always got a camera in my truck. So then I had better cameras than I had at the babyfoot picture by this point. But uh, yeah, interestingly, that night I had taken my camera out of my truck, and when I walked 
when I made the walk to the house, the rubble. And uh, so I thought, yeah, I'm going to take a couple of pictures. And the sun was going down, so you know, the flash, I was using the flash, and I was just taking some pictures over the top of the rubble of everything. And interestingly, and once again, you know, I'm not a, I don't know how, what it is or if there is an explanation or not, but in two of the pictures, there are three, what I guess what they call orbs in the photos. All three of them, and I, I'll, I'll find the pictures and send them to you. In uh, all three of them, they're different sizes and like opacity, I guess you would say. They're, you know, one's a little bit darker white than another one and one's a little lighter. But anyway, in one of the pictures, there's three of them. In the very next picture, which was taken just a couple of seconds later, those same three orbs are in the picture, but in different order. Right. It's like they're moving around. So, and they're not in any of the other pictures. So, you know, I mean, that is what it is. It could have been dust specs. I don't know, but it's interesting that there was only three of them. And I always thought I felt like there was three somethings in my house with me. You know, yeah, I, the, so I just the, thought that was interesting. The conversations that you were hearing uh, typically were, uh, sounded like three people having a conversation. Right. Yeah. So, so it just, I thought normally I would have, I never would have even given the orbs or the dot specs, whatever, a second thought, but just the fact that there was three of them and they were only in two of the pictures, it kind of well, made me wonder. And if you, if I you do find those and share them with us, I'll share them with our, our listeners. I know they would love to see them uh, and, 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 you know, take a look at those, but yeah. You've since moved. You've moved on. Have you had any type of activity at your new house that you live in? I have never experienced anything like that since. You know, of course, you know, you might hear a little click or something in the night. But no, I've never since that house. I have not experienced anything like so that. So are you again. still are you still 100 percent skeptic? Yeah. I'm on the fence. I'm much more of a, I know, okay, I'll put it this way. I am a true, I am a firm believer in the paranormal and that there is something there that we don't know what it is. Is it a ghost of somebody who has passed? Is it a, a, some kind of another spirit? I don't know, but I do believe that there is something there. I just don't know what it is. Just because of my own personal background, you know, growing up in the Baptist church here in Moore, Oklahoma, you know, my belief in the Bible is that, you know, when you die, that your soul goes to heaven, although it's not 100% clear on what happens to your soul. If you are not a believer, I don't know that. But because of that belief, I've always thought, well, it's probably not a person's soul. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Am I right or wrong? Well, I don't know. But anyway, but I, but yeah, I'm a believer that there is something there paranormally, especially after living in that house. Yeah, I know and, that there, and there are plenty of people, house. you know, who have their own thoughts and ideas on on what it is that that people like yourself experience uh, while while living in their homes. Um, obviously, you experienced something, and uh, it was enough at times to where you know you felt you needed to uh, to protect yourself. I noticed that that when we were when we were uh, exchanging uh, comments. Uh, online, I noticed that that one of your, I believe it was your son, had had posted something like, 
hey, dad, you should really get on there and do this because you've got one, one crazy story. The one about my ex-girlfriend or my ex-fiance and the ankle shaking. I'm not sure what he would have been talking about, but he's the one. The one that that brought that brought me you to my attention is the one that was sleeping in the bed <laughs> with his Bowie knife that night. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, he right, definitely had to put this in it. But it's good that you've got the oral history of it down <laughs> now, so that he can share it with uh, with his kids one day. Um. There you go. Right. And I'll tell you what. Um, that no, I was going to say, they talk about how, I'm how, sorry, how go ahead. crazy Grandpa was back in the day. Oh, I'm sure Crazy Grandpa will get brought up a lot. <laughs> and that's another thing. We never, until recently, I met with my next-door neighbors at that house were very close friends of mine. They still are. And, uh. But I never did the whole time that we lived next door to him. I never mentioned it to him once because I didn't want them to think that I was nuts. So we never talked about it with them. It wasn't until after several years after the tornado that I was like, hey, by the way, you know that house I lived in? Well, and that's it what, was on that's, that's what we're finding out. And he was like, that, You know, uh, ordinary, average people who, who work for a living, they get up every day, they go to work, they, they, they buy a house, they have two cars, they're just – as normal as can be are experiencing a lot of this stuff. And, and I think a lot of our listeners are going to enjoy hearing your story because a lot of people are experiencing what you've experienced and they don't know what to do. Um, what, what advice would you give them? I mean, I know you reached out to someone for yeah. some help, but what, what advice would you give them? Well, I don't know. Just, <sighs> I, I don't know if I'm the one to give them advice because I just kept shut up because <laughs> I didn't want people to think I was nuts. But I mean, yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, reach out to somebody if you, if, especially if you're scared. Like, you know, there was a few times or a lot of times, I say a few times, but there was one spot in my house leaving my Elvis room going to the stairway. There was one spot that occasionally when I would walk there, I would just get instantly filled with a terror. Just like, I mean, just like, it wasn't something I was thinking about, but it, when I would hit that exact spot right at the top of the stairs, it was like there was somebody there that had malice towards me. And, you know, like they wanted to do me harm. And I was always afraid that somebody was going to come running up behind me and push me down the stairs and, you know, or something like that. That's the right. kind of feeling I would get. But I mean, yeah, certainly if you live with something like that all the time, yeah, I would definitely, you know, try to find somebody to help you, you know, or just talking about it on a, podcast like this you know this is the first time i've really talked about a lot of this stuff i just you know just over the years like i said it became commonplace and i just ignored yeah. it and went on about my business this is probably the have, first time i've really ever told the stories the <laughs> we would definitely have cold spots and the cold spots would a lot of times come really? with the smell of perfume you would you'd be yeah you'd, you'd be sitting uh, for instance, I mean, just one example, it happened quite often. Uh, I'd be sitting in my chair at my computer in the Elvis room doing whatever I was doing. And I would all of a sudden get real, this real chill, you know, like a, like I needed a blanket around my shoulders, kind of a chill. And a lot of the time that would come with the smell of a, 
perfume, like in it, and I always said it was like a older lady's Avon perfume or something. And then as soon as the cold spot would go away, the the, the well, scent see, was gone too. And so, I mean, it got the point where I would kind of expect that perfumey smell whenever I would feel the cold spot. It happened yeah. so often. And that that kind of thing, David, can but, get yeah. you in trouble if you've got uh, a girlfriend or a fiance coming over. Juke <laughs> <laughs> They come walking up at that time to smell <laughs> perfume. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was just it was just crazy. It was just stuff constantly. I mean. Like I say, I just I'm thinking of stuff as we talk that I just hadn't even thought about in years because it happened all the time. But I mean, it was just it was just a crazy place. It was just there was always something. I felt uh, one time I was talking to somebody on the phone, and while I was talking, it felt like somebody went behind me and just kind of gave me a little pat on the back as they walked by. And I and I, I think it was my dad that I was talking to. And I kind of jumped, and I was like, what the – and I said whatever I said, and he's like, what's wrong? And I was like, somebody just walked by me and patted me on the back. And he's like, who was it? And I was like, I don't know, because there's nobody else here. And, <laughs> but, you know, just – you know, it was just crazy. Well, David, do you think it was something. the house itself? How, how old was the house? <laughs> the house – I if I remember correctly, was built in the okay. mid-70s, like around 74, 75, kind of like towards the beginning of the oil boom era. And I had done just, you know, minor research. I never went down to the county courthouse or anything like that, but I had looked up the address here and there. Uh, you know, occasionally I'd talk to neighbors who had been living in the neighborhood forever. and There was no history on the house or anything that I could ever come up with. Nothing that's you know stood out as anything but you know i was hoping to find you know something happened in the house you know maybe explain something but but yeah there was no history and it was it wasn't a real old house by yeah any, by any means yeah and you know some people attach so, things to to the actual house some people will say it's the land that uh you know there was something that uh was attached to the land obviously mm-hmm. you know that house being built in the 70s is not it's not that old i mean i you know most of us remember the seventies. So, you know, it's, it, it's not that old, but, um, right. it's interesting that it was, uh, 77. What year did Elvis die? 77. <laughs> yeah. There you, oh, go. My God. there you go. Well, well, there it is. So, but, uh, no, no go ahead. You're fine. Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I would. I don't even know what I was. Well, I know say, the but... listeners are going to be hitting me up to see those those photos of the of the three orbs, and I know you're going to take. I will yeah, get I know them. You'll take some time to find them and 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 get them over to us. And when you do, I'll get them posted for everybody to see because you definitely want to check that out. If you listen to last week's podcast, Ed and Tara Lindsay. They posted, they gave me the photo of uh, uh, what what they called some baby handprints that were on a window about eight feet in the air. And I, I, I put those for everybody wow. to see. So if you go back wow. and look at that uh, post on Facebook and that podcast, you can see the actual photo. And so we'll, David, we'll post yours as well and let everybody take a look at that. And uh, we definitely uh, uh, appreciate you sharing your story with us tonight. 
Well, you're very welcome. I appreciate the opportunity to tell the stories. Like I Absolutely. say, I never really had. So stay with us right here. Felt David, good to get it out. For a second before we uh, get out of here, I want to thank our our sponsor tonight, the Military History Center Museum in Broken Arrow. Again, uh, you can give them a call nine one eight seven nine four two seven one two. They've got some great things on display. If you're a, a military historian or you've served, you're a veteran, uh, it's definitely a place you want to go check out. And if you haven't been to the Rose District in Broken Arrow, it's definitely growing and expanding. There's plenty of places to eat and other things to see. There's a, a Broken Arrow Museum that's got a lot of neat stuff in it and uh, plenty of stuff to do there in the Rose District. So, again, for David McKenna, I'm Brad Heath. Thanks for listening to Oklahoma Ghost Stories tonight. We appreciate everyone. And, again, go like us on Anchor, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Breaker, uh, be sure and like us on Patreon as well. We appreciate everybody. Thank you, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon.